This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Kerry Powell, a BYU-Idaho professor in the Animal and Food Sciences Department and today's devotional speaker. Brother Powell graduated from Ricks College as well as Brigham Young University. He served as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in France. Powell has worked at BYU-Idaho since 2001 in the Animal and Food Sciences Department. Thank you so much for joining me, joining me, Brother Powell. It's good to be here. Thank you. Awesome. I'm going to want to talk a little bit today about your devotional dress that you'll be giving. I think it's a super interesting topic, and I'm really excited to hear it. So I wanted to know a little bit about the inspiration. Where did the inspiration for your topic come from? Well, when I received the invitation to speak, one of the first things I thought about was, why me? What perspective do I have that maybe other people don't? Something uh, that I've seen or experienced that that maybe would lend some insight to other people. And... Uh, I've spent my life uh, working with animals, livestock, and, uh, and, and that's a little bit uh, unique here at the university. There's not many of us doing that. And, and so I began to think about the things I've learned uh, from the animal world and, and my experiences and, and wanted to share some of those. So early in your address, you share a scripture from Alma 3044 that says, and this is just a part of the scripture, all things denote there is a God, yea, even the earth and all the things that are upon the face of it. Yea, and its motion, yea, and also all the planets which move in their regular form, do witness that there is a supreme creator. You follow with a statement that says, But if Alma declared that all things witness of God, then I'm sure you can discover God and his laws and principles in music, chemistry, literature, social science, history, engineering, art, and so on. So could you explain a little bit about the importance of this scripture to you and how you've seen God in things like chemistry, music, and literature, and history, and all of those subjects. Yes, I don't know if I can delve into a lot of subjects I'm not actively working in or experiencing, but certainly in my field, I saw it. And when I read Alma, I, I think, well, I have seen many witnesses of God in what I've experienced and in my line of work and in the, in the world I have lived in. And, and so I wanted to share some of those in hopes that other people will look at their lives and their experiences and begin to see more witnesses than they they may currently do. Um, I think animals are fascinating because God created them. They're everywhere. And I think he uses them more than we think he does in his work. Um, I think one of the first things that came to mind as I considered a topic about how, how how do we find witnesses of God in our lives I thought about an assignment that we give our freshman students in animal science, the introductory class. Uh, It's it's kind of unique for an animal science department. I'm sure we're the only one in the world that has this kind of an assignment for an animal science class. But we ask them to go search the scriptures and the words of Latter-day Prophets and see there how God uh, uses animals to teach us, to test us, to to try us, uh, to, to bless our lives. And as the students do that in the first two weeks of the course, it's amazing what they find, and their eyes, I think, are kind of opened, that animals are throughout the gospel, throughout the scriptures, and uh, and you can see how God values them as a tool to, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. So as I read these papers, it's they're really fun to read as I see the students' new insights, and they teach me new things, and you get lots of ahas, and I didn't know that they were so involved in everything, and, and I get some testimonies that start coming where they remember 
that they had an experience once with an animal that taught them something in the gospel that that touched their heart or uh, uh, led them to some truth that they needed to to understand. And so I, I can see once again God's using those animals to to bless our lives. And uh, and, and so as I thought of that, I, I I thought other people probably in other areas of their lives have something similar where there's principles and truths there that they can discover uh, as they look for them. So have you had any personal experiences with an animal that has really that really sparked an aha moment, like you were saying? Have you had any of those personal experiences? Um, I, I can think of one I had as a, a young boy. Uh, I grew up on a farm here just outside of Rexburg. Uh, we, we, had, we raised crops and had cattle, and, and I was probably uh, eight, six, eight, ten years old, uh, and I went out to the barn one day, and, and we had a sick calf in there. And uh, I walked in there to see the calf and sat down on the straw next to it and put its head on my lap. And I was just kind of enjoying being with this, you know, this pretty little calf. But I felt bad because it was very, very sick. It was so weak it couldn't stand up. And as I was sitting there stroking it and looking down on it, um, I thought I saw the light go out of its eyes. <laughs> and and something changed. And I realized in a bit that the calf had just died. And to my little boy feelings, the thought came to my mind, I think I sensed the calf's spirit just leave. And I remember pondering that for a few minutes. And then I got up and I walked out of the barn and I had a reverent spirit over me. And I thought, I really do think and feel that there's such a thing as spirits. And and animals have them, and we have them, and it's real. And so it was a, it was a young boy testimony, but, but I've shared that story with people on my mission and students in my class. Uh, I think I was taught something that day that, that's been precious to me. And, and so I think that kind of thing can happen if we're sensitive to it, we're in a position where we can, can notice or think about or ponder um, things that are there where, where, where God's sending us a message or there's something to be learned. That's an amazing experience. Thank you so much for sharing. So you talked a little bit earlier about um, a scripture in Moses. Um, For behold, this is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Your, your address then starts to shift, and you talk a little bit about reproduction and the family, not only spiritually explaining the important, this, the important principle, but you're also intertwining a scientific approach. So could you tell me a little bit about what you found in your personal study of this topic of reproduction in the family and why you decided to use it in your devotional address? Well, again, my life's been kind of immersed in animals, so I guess a lot of learning opportunities have come to me through animals. And I don't know that everyone will relate as much to my experiences in their own world where they're not as involved with animals, but I was hoping and do hope that people will look at their circumstances and and begin to gain their own lessons. To me, as I've learned about animals, uh, the science of life, uh, my testimony strengthened. I, I become more and more convinced that there's a creator uh, there's divine design in the way things work. It seems like there's always more levels of intricacy that he's planned and prepared. And, and so I, I guess my specialty with animals is I've worked with reproduction, the most of any of them. 
And I've just noticed that when people, most people work with animals, they're drawn to them, they're, they're uh, attracted to them in their feelings and their affections. And particularly when animals are reproducing, when you, you have baby animals being born, you, you can watch the look of people's faces as they watch an animal giving birth or there's a new baby there that the mother's attending to, and it touches your heart. And, and I think there's, there's something divine going on. There's something important that, that we sense and, uh, and, and appeals to our, our spirits, I guess, or our, our inner feelings. So as I got thinking about that and pondering it for this devotional, I, I thought that animals in many ways are a, are a pattern for us. God started out right in the beginning showing us that animals can show us patterns by things like uh, asking Adam to offer sacrifice and using animals to teach us about uh, the Savior and the gospel. And so I think as we, we see new, birth, new life coming into the world, um, we think about the fact that there, there is a creator, there's a spirit there. It seems to me to, to draw us a little closer to God as we get involved with life. In my life, having a family and children and grandchildren teach me so much, and they bring me closer to God just by the experience of being with them and, and helping them grow and, and, and uh, bringing them into the world. And so um, I, I, I guess relating the two together to me, it's just one way God's teaching us through animals about the importance of things that we're involved in as people and uh, bringing about his work to, to bring spirits to the earth, put them in bodies and, and help them return back to their fathers. So I, I think there's just enough parallels there that, that when I look at an animal, I can think about what's really important and, and, and where do these animals come from, and, and, uh, and, and, it, and it helps me think about my creator. A little bit of what you were saying kind of reminds me of how we view the plan of salvation, where there's, uh, there's those three big questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? From what I'm getting from you is you're thinking, all right, where did these animals come from? What is their purpose here? And, like, and where, where are they going? Am, am I kind of on the right track with that? Yes, I think so. Just on where are we going, um, that question, I think animals can help us somewhat, at least deal with our mortal experience. Just about every child seems to have a pet or fall in love with an animal, and most typically the animals are shorter lived than we are, and all of us have probably, or many of us, experienced the death of a, of a beloved animal. That's really hard. It's difficult. But I think it helps us prepare us for the fact that, that life's temporary. We're going somewhere too. And um, as we deal with those emotions and that reality, I think it helps prepare us. And uh, there's many a child that's prayed over an animal or has uh, asked for comfort after, you know, losing some, some loved one. And, uh, and I think maybe it's easier to, for parents to explain to children a little bit about that as they've had some experience with, you know, the passage of lives in, in their life. So I think that's just an example where a pattern's kind of there in some ways. And uh, I like that um, your comments about the, the use of animals. I think they're there to, to teach us some gospel principles. I think they're there to, to feed us and nourish us and, you know, provide clothing and shelter. There's just so many ways. Artists have drawn great inspiration from animals. Um, they entertain us, they comfort us, provide us a lot of medical breakthroughs. There, there's just so many ways uh, that if we can begin to recognize what God's done for us in just a little thing like animals or other things in our lives, I, I think um, 
it can expand our gratitude in, in a lot of areas of our lives. When it comes to other uh, disciplines uh, that students may be studying, uh, other subjects, I'm sure that with some reflection and, and maybe some guidance from a teacher or the scriptures, they, they can begin to see laws, divine laws, uh, principles uh, that will uh, teach them or remind them or uh, enlighten them uh, about how God works. One of the people I thought about as I was pondering my thoughts about talking about animals was how some other church leaders have used their subjects of expertise. We're all pretty familiar with uh, Elder Uchtdorf's uh, frequent mention of his flying days and and, and how airplanes work, and, and he's drawn many, many helpful and clear connections to the gospel through something that he's experienced. That I, I think that's maybe something of what I'm trying to communicate is there's ways to learn through our mortal experience that reflect uh, eternal truths and, and things we need to understand. So you open the next section of your address with this quote, While the process of reproduction brings genetic combinations together that will direct growth— there must be nutrients steadily available to supply that physical body or it won't grow. Our spirits need spiritual nourishment just as our physical bodies need food. So in what ways does, spirit, or does physical nutrition align with spiritual nutrition? And what are some ways we can nourish ourselves spiritually? Well, one thing we learn about animals is there's certain essential nutrients that they need. Um, and if they don't have them, they, they can't live or they're sickly. And they need to have them in balance and correct proportions. And uh, I'm frequently reminded in the church that our spirits need nutrition just like our bodies do. And so I got thinking about that and, and what are the essential elements or nutrients that our spirits need as a parallel what what our bodies need and what animals' bodies need. There's been countless <laughs> experiments done with animals where they limit a nutrient and see what happens to, to understand what that nutrient does in the body or... Or what does additional supplementation of this or that do to increase growth rate or milk production or something? I, I think there's a number of them in our spiritual health that, that we need, such as daily prayer. I think it's critical or we begin to weaken spiritually, uh, spending time in the scriptures and words of the prophets and giving service. And, and, and a lot of these things, I think, strengthen us spiritually. And, and I feel like in my life, when I have felt spiritually weak, Often, I could probably pinpoint a malnourishment or a, <laughs> a poor diet in spiritual things. So, so I think there's a parallel there. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not too educated with science. I, it never really struck with me in high school, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. But this next section on genetics that you talk about is absolutely fascinating to me. I don't think I've ever been as fascinated with science as I have while reading your, your address. So you state at the beginning of this section, the simplicity and complexity of this system itself is a witness of God. So could you elaborate more on not only that comment, but about genetics and how it can teach us spiritually? Yes. I, one thing that fascinates me also about genetics, like, like you, is, is just how it works. How, how can it be that, that molecules and can, can convey information and and uh, direct living bodies. Um, the, the basic idea of how genetics works is going back to the DNA theory, where there's a molecule with, with four basic components to it, these nucleotide bases. And they're just simple little chemical structures, but they're built in such a way that they pair, that two of them pair, and, and then the other two pair and bond together. 
And so DNA is a string of these four molecules, and the order they appear in can convey a message to direct the creation of proteins and enzymes and, 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 and the things needed by the body. So at its very simplest level, it's an incredibly simple system, you know, four letters of an alphabet, and we can create living beings and with all kinds of traits, and, and, uh, and, and yet those four letters can be put together in just innumerable genetic combinations. So I'm certainly not an expert in the area of genetics, but what I do know about them um, astonishes me, and, wants, and, and I do want to know more about it. One of the things that is kind of at the forefront of genetic research in recent years is the idea that the environment that an animal or a person develops in and lives in can affect the expression of genes. It seems like to me, when, when I was in college, the thought was genes are genes, they are what they are, and, uh, and they're going to express themselves in certain ways no matter what. But we're finding more and more that, that what a person or animal eats or, or some of the environmental influences on it can influence how a gene is expressed, if it is expressed and at what level. So relating this back to spiritual things, if we have something like spiritual genes in us, meaning information and patterns that came to us from Heavenly Father in our spirits, the environment we live in or place ourselves in can influence perhaps our potential spiritual growth. We have the nutrients there that we need and we make correct choices and expose ourselves to the kinds of environments that lets us grow spiritually, then that can really have a big impact on, on who we become and, and, and how we develop. Uh, we always have our agency and we can place ourselves in the environments we, you know, we can control how we respond to our environments. Uh, but, but I wonder if there isn't perhaps a type or shadow of physical genes with how our spirits can be impacted by the environment. Genetics is a subject that um, when students approach it, it, it's pretty daunting. It's, it's, it's very complex and uh, there, there's many levels of understanding and the DNA and the um, number of genes we work with and their variety makes it a very daunting task to, to get our hands around what's going on, which genes are involved, how do they work. But again, taking something so simple as four nucleotides and making this code and developing it into such complexity seems to me um, to say there is a creator who's so intelligent that he can make or direct the development of an animal through, you know, a four-letter alphabet. So towards the end of your address, you say God knows your physical genetics and he knows your spiritual genetics. Charity and intelligence and honesty and forgiveness and creativity and service are in your spiritual DNA. I think that is such a profound statement. So could you elaborate more on that statement and how you concluded that those things are in our spiritual DNA? I think we often sell ourselves short. I know some days I don't feel as good about myself or my potential as other days. And I certainly see students who feel discouraged that, that they can't be who they wish they were or are as successful as they hoped to have been. But as I work, most of my career has been working with embryos. And these are microscopic bundles of cells that in a short period of time turn into a complex animal or in the case of people, a human. And we grow really very rapidly. In just a few years, we, we, we've completely changed what we look like, our capacities, how we think, the things we know, our talents 
blossom really rapidly. And I think if we can help people understand that you've got a spiritual heritage, you're literally spirit offspring of heavenly parents who no one can do everything. <laughs> so, so we're related to them. And, and so our potential's huge. And I think if we can just ponder that, that we used to be a small few cells. Now we can do what we do. Maybe we're disappointed in what our development is so far, but we have come a long ways. And if we can project that forward, if, if in a few years we have come to the point we are, surely our potential to grow further is, is just going to be tremendous given more time, experience, and, and the love and guidance of a Heavenly Father that wants us to grow. So I, th- I think if we can just be patient with <laughs> this short time frame and realize how far we've come and what God says we can become, it will give hope and, and, uh, and I think help us to be maybe patient with ourselves and, and to look forward. Some of us just write ourselves off a little too soon. A few disappointments. <laughs> we, we're not doing as well in a class subject as we thought, and and begin to hang all of our self worth on on a, a grade or a score or a, an assessment of someone. And our potential is hard to quantify, but we know it's as great as being a child of God. And young animals and young people are designed to grow up to be like their parents. And I think that is a motivating truth that we can we can hang on. I remember. On my mission, we had Elder Dubay of the 70. He came in, did a little a mission tour, and he talked about a scripture in Moses where God is showing Moses everything. And Moses is kind of like, whoa. He has this big realization that, you know, he didn't just realize who he was, but what his divine, divine potential was and what the divine potential of all of us is. And this topic has really stuck with me since then. And just this morning, I went to the temple and uh, me and one of my friends, we were talking and we were kind of talking about that, our divine potential. And it's such an interesting topic because we do sell ourselves short, right? And it, it's, I think it's just, it's a human nature thing. I feel like we're all, you know, it, it's one of Satan's biggest tactics just to tell us, hey, you messed up. You're not good enough. No way. So just that topic of being, of our divine potential and us really coming down to us being children of God is such a huge realization when we really understand what our divine potential is and what the Lord sees in us and not only what we see in ourselves and how we are viewed in the eyes of the Lord. That's, for me at least, was a game changer. And now I, it's, it's that kind of ties back to that concept that President Nelson has been teaching us about thinking celestial. You know, we have to think not just in our current circumstance, but thinking ahead, thinking celestial, thinking about our divine potential. When you went to the temple, did you notice there's animals in there? There are. <laughs> I have to point that out to students sometimes, saying, notice that. There's something to be learned about animals even in the temple. Um, yes, I think Satan would have us view ourselves as just a clump of cells. <laughs> and if we can look around and say, maybe I'm a clump of cells, but I've seen what clumps of cells can become. We've watched them grow into animals. And, uh, and, and within us are genes that can control our growth and development and spiritual, a spiritual heritage and a loving father and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, just simply watching animals grow tells us we can grow too. And we're a lot more than, than, than that embryo we once were. And I think that was uh, 
You know, maybe the tactic with Moses is to make him feel less than he was. <laughs> and Moses, realizing he's a small bit of all that God has done, also came to realize that he's God's son, and God's doing what he's doing for us and for him. And, and that's, that's uh, pretty empowering. <laughs> as small as we are and what God's got to do in the universe, he's, he's occupied with us, and, and we're his business, uh, that we're his work. And, and uh, so if the concept of an embryo or a, a young animal or a child crosses your mind one day, think about the growth potential. Think about where that thing has come from and what it will become and realize we, we've got a lot of growing we can do. And, uh, and again, we've got the best parents in the world. We've got the best genetic value that we could have. And we, we nurture it in the right environment. Uh, we have hope. We use, we use the grace of God to help us learn and grow and overcome. And, uh, and, and we have every hope that we'll become more and more like our, our parents, our heavenly parents. So I, I think there's so many testimonies <laughs> and learning opportunities as we go about just our various jobs and, um, and life experiences. I have thought, well, I, I mentioned in my devotional address about a class I took that was a difficult class, but at the end of it, the biggest thing I took away was a, a greater appreciation for a creator and knowing more fully that God designed living systems. And if and, and I was motivated after that. When I think about studying life, um, I, I'm more hopeful and i kind of excited because it's going to show me again how great our Creator is. And so if we had a class, if we had a, a music class, a, a physics class, and we began to see the hand of God in it and fingerprints that He, he is here or he, he designed this or it has to be logical that a supreme intelligence has put this in place, then it gets pretty exciting to study, and we quit maybe worrying about test scores as much as this is awesome to understand, and I feel firmer in my faith and clearer in my understanding about what life's about as I start to notice some of these things. Um, We have a class here where they study light, and I have had people—I never have taken the class, but I've had people come from that class saying, this built my testimony, and I understand some things about, you know— how light's divided and, and the absence of light, and, and, and they begin to make some gospel parallels with light. And, and that's another example where a, a class can become a learning experience in, on several levels. Is there any bit of advice you would like to give to stu- the students and staff that will be hearing your devotional address? What advice would that be and why would you give it? Perhaps not everyone can relate to my experiences with animals completely, but I hope it will um, bring back to their minds some of the experiences they've had that have witnessed to them that God's real and, and, and the, the gospel, as we understand it, has many evidences that can bless our lives. I hope we can think about our relationship to our heavenly parents, be able to look past the troubles and the flaws we sometimes face in our lives to realize that there is a plan. Heavenly Father's work is us, and we can see evidence of his love and his planning for us on this earth as we look for it. And, and uh, it's, it's always good to know you've got a loving Father looking over you and, and caring about what you do and how you grow and develop. So I, I hope that it stirs up some feelings towards our heavenly parents and increases uh, our desire to look for the witnesses that are there in our lives. That was Gary Powell, a professor here at BYU-Idaho in the Animal and Food Science Department and today's devotional speaker. Thanks again for joining me, Brother Powell.